Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. My God! Welcome to Driven Radio, your <laughs> weekly automotive shindig. Holy I'm cow, I was not here. expecting that. <laughs> yeah, well. You woke I, me right the hell up. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting all day, by God. Uh... I'm Brett Hatfield here with our sequestered engineer and co-host Catfish Groves. Yellow, the uh, the evil genius of craving cars on YouTube. Mr. Corey Pratt is not with us this week, but I he'll know. be back next week. Oh, yeah, Corey. Corey's smart. I'm sad when he's not here. I I don't have anybody to really harass. We are coming to you from the interwebs this week uh, through the miracle of Zoom. Hello, Zoom. And, with each of us hiding in our very own secret hidden bunkers. Yes, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear more of, tell us. I'll tell you what, if you like what you're hearing, go leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Say some nice words. Say something pleasant, even if you have to lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... What have you been doing in cars this week? You know, uh, pretty much nothing. I, uh, <laughs> I I haven't called anybody. It's I do have an eye on a, a couple of vehicles, as I seem to always. So consistency counts. Bingo. Hey, you're not. Uh, I found another Corvette yesterday that I can't possibly afford. Oh, nice. Uh, Is it the blue one, the the dream Corvette, or? It's it's really close. It's a '67, so it's Marina Blue, not Nassau, which is a slightly different shade. Uh-huh. Has the white interior, Ooh. has the high horse, small block, four speed, and uh, it's got a price that's about fifteen grand out of my reach. Damn it! Uh, <sighs> Been there, felt that. Isn't that always the way? However, for Vlad the Impaler, I found a different alternative for the suspension on that, and I think it's going to save me some money. And we're looking into whether or not it would work. Um, I, what are you, know, you trying gotta, to fix? Well, first of all, the sucker sits so low that I scrape everything bigger than a nickel that's oh, laying yeah. on the street. Yeah. Uh, trying to make it through a parking lot with speed bumps in it isn't. No. <laughs> no. 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 It's one of those where you're gritting your teeth before you get to the speed bump because you know you're going to drag going over it. <laughs> you lift the car up by your pucker. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it sits low because when we did the suspension, we cut the springs to make it sit that way. Oh, and part of the problem is when you cut the springs, you also lose some of the uh, load capacity. So if you stick somebody in the back seat of it now, it really drags. Um, we need to correct that. We yep. need to uh, get the back end up a little bit. I've been looking at Ride Tech suspension setups, and it's about forty five hundred dollars of the parts, and probably. You know, a couple grand more in labor, which uh-huh. gets to be kind of expensive. But Ride Tech has something called shock waves, which are kind of a glorified air shock that do the same job much more cheaply. Oh, nice. So I'm looking into that. Uh, 
you know who suggested that to me initially was our buddy Rick Hunter over at Hot Rod Express. Rick, uh, well, that's because he's a guru. Rick is uh, well, yeah, he and, and he's a lot smarter than either of us. Oh, amen. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, looking at doing that on the on the Impala, uh, I got a couple of new showy looking grills for the uh, for the Harley truck, upper and lower, so Ooh. they'll match and be all cool. Yeah, and uh, generally been enjoying having a little bit cooler weather, spending time on the bikes, all that good stuff. This week, we've got news about strong sales at the Mecham sale down in Kissimmee. Uh, planning is underway for the 2021 Amelia Island Concours d'Elegance. Uh, big power upgrades for the Bronco from the I told you so file. <laughs> uh, for the Bronco that hadn't even been built yet. Yeah. How you can own a 1300 horsepower Camaro. Jeez. And Ford says your new Raptor will have more power than a T-Rex. Uh, our special guests this week are Dave Kinney and Greg Ingold of Haggerty, who cool. will be here to discuss the newest Haggerty price guide that will be in your hot little hands in, in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. What's hot, what's not, what you should be watching, what you ought to get rid of, and uh, much, much more. We got a lot of news this week. I tried to trim it down, and I got it down to about 47 stories. So (laughs) let's get to it. You got it. Live Mecham Auction in Kissimmee uh, brings $18.6 million in overall sales. This is from drive.mecham.com. They managed to get more than $18.6 million in overall sales. Uh, there were 800 vehicles that crossed the auction block at a 65% sell rate. So 518 cars finally went and found new ownership, uh, making that total of 18.6. Sales were strong. A lot of cars went for six figures, which seems to be the going thing. We keep uh, reading about that left and right, that uh, cars are just freaking hot right now, especially collectors, yeah. resto mods, Jeebus Chrysler. Top 10 sales were 2018 Ford GT. There was a lot S120 at $935,000 for a 2018. Uh, You know, those Ford GTs have been so strong. They were instant collectibles, especially since Ford didn't make too many of them. But again, uh, I got to wonder if the new performance variants of the Corvette are going to put a nick in that. There are only a handful of them made, and even if the performance winds up being fairly equal with a new Z06 or ZR1 in the pipeline, uh, still, there aren't many of those four GTs, and there never will be. So, 935, strong money, but that seems to be about going right for them. Fair enough. 2006 Ford GT Heritage Edition uh, went for $412,500, so about half the price. Uh, and then it uh, it cruises down from there. 2006 Mercedes Benz SLR McLaren, uh, Mercedes Benz McLaren. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Two hundred three thousand five hundred. It's pretty. Uh, 1969 Dodge Daytona. Yes, sir. Hundred ninety eight thousand. Yeah, you, you just entered my car shop. Uh, <laughs> 1967 Shelby GT500 Fastback at hundred eighty seven thousand. So uh, GT in two thousand eight and one eighty seven. The one now is about. Four times more. Uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. All right. Uh, 1934 Packard Coupe Roadster. Nice. 176,000. 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner. 176K. 1962 Chevy Corvette Resto Mod Convertible at 154,000. What do you think of that one? Uh, you know, I'm a purist, but that is an awfully good looking car. <laughs> it's, it's pretty sweet. Uh, 2017 Dodge Viper GT Coupe. No kidding. Buck 48, five. 
And at number 10, the 2015 Bentley Continental GT3R at 137500 Now, Meekum's next live auction is going to be held in Dallas, October 15th through 17th at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. More than 1,000 vehicles are going to be up for grabs. And if you want details on the upcoming auctions, you can visit Meekum.com. You know, the deal on that uh, 2017 Viper GT Coupe, first of all, 126 miles on it, no oh miles at all. Oh my. And secondly, it's in an uber rare color called Striker Purple. There's only a handful of them. So it was exclusivity they got that it's deal It's not done. plum crazy purple, really? Oh, <laughs> or the other color. That <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, from ClassicCars.com Journal, we've got a story about the Amelia Island six-month countdown. Uh, they are all working, already working on coronavirus contingencies. Oof. I'm really hoping that this is a non-issue by yeah. the time we get there. But man, as jacked up as this year has been, I would think you'd want to be ready for about anything. And it sounds like they're doing that. It's a whole new set of rules for every freaking thing. Because at any moment, yeah. you know, when uh, your local or national government can go, uh, nope, stop, yeah. I'll quit now. Yeah. Um, you just, you have to be ready. Uh, and and they can change everything and just a, in a heartbeat. We used to worry the, about uh, rain. Rain was a problem. Not anymore. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Breathing is a problem. Oh, you breathed out loud. So, uh, uh, but it's it, good on them for at least uh, being prepared for it. The exclusive event will be held in its traditional location at the Amelia Island Ritz-Carlton Hotel and Golf Club, March 4th through the 7th of 2021. Communications Director Chris Brewer commented on the safety planning of the forthcoming show, saying, We can assure you that our team is making every effort. Plans for 2021 include options to allow guests the additional space necessary for social distancing. Our seminars, dinners, and exclusive events will have limited ticket availability to meet the new capacity requirements that may continue to be in effect. Chris also said the March 4th through 7th, uh, 2021 remains more than six months away now. And if 2020 has proven anything, it's that conditions can change in a matter of days. Our team is preparing so that we can host our award-winning event, even if the virus lingers and a vaccine remains elusive. You know what? What we need to do is everybody needs to wear those big inflatable sumo suits, and we just walk around. <laughs> and if somebody t- gets too close, boink, you go knock them across the room. It's it's a win win. Everyone will be entertained. Last week, we were talking about how tough it was going to be to tune the Bronco. Oh yeah, we were. And I did we did we talk about that on our sister show on uh, Road Muscle, or was that back on Driven? Sometimes they kind of run together for me. I'm pretty sure it was on Driven, but if not, you know, the, the basic thing was just with all of their tech uh, that they're going to have in it, it's going to be hard for you to break into tune. Uh, uh-huh. They're not going to like it. And what did I say? You said that, you know what, screw tuning, somebody's going to start dropping coyotes in them. I said somebody would take all that crap out of it and drop in a coyote with all the new sensors and everything it has, all the modules and all uh-huh. that, and just do a complete swap. The day after I said that, I found this article from HotCars.com. This is what I've told you before. I'm psychic, but I'm only psychic about 24 hours in advance, so it's not really worth that much. The amazing Hatfield looking into the future. Yeah, I ought to buy lottery tickets. So from HotCars.com, 
the article that comes from the I told you so file. <laughs> Here's what we know about the PAX Power V8 Ford Bronco. Holy crap. The 2021 reveal of the Ford Bronco has been an unmitigated excess. In their eagerness, hordes of the Bronco faithful logged onto Ford's website, causing the reservation system to shut down <laughs> under the onslaught. <laughs> the sixth generation Ford Bronco that has come to life after a gap of 25 years is a runaway success, and fans couldn't be more pleased, except you can't have it with a V8. You can't. There's two different power plants. There's a four-bang turbo and a six-bang turbo. You cannot have a V8. Yet. Performance truck builders, PAX Power, have come to the rescue. Although the V8 exists only on paper for now, because nobody's got a new Bronco in their hands. <laughs> PAX Power promises delivery of V8-modified Broncos in the second quarter of 2021. Oh my God. The V8 will likely be the F-150... Uh, Coyote motor that is a 395 horsepower plant. The second option would be that same Coyote motor equipped with a 2.9 liter Whipple supercharger yielding, get this, 758 horsepower. Oh my God, (laughs) Mr. Whipple, don't squeeze Uh, the accelerator. Holy crap. (laughs) Mr. Whipple's going to be squeezing the door handle. Uh, all of the Bronco systems, engine, exhaust, wiring, and other modules will have to be replaced. Wow, it's a complete gut job. That's intense. Uh, the V8 will be mated to Ford's uh, F-Series 10-speed automatic transmission. A manual gearbox may be an option, but it's not a certainty. I'm sure they're going to have plenty of bugs to work out. Uh, Pax Power is also developing a range of suspension and performance upgrades to go along with this. The base Pax Power V8 conversion will run you $30,000 over and above the cost of the donor Bronco. Now, if you remember, they said the base Bronco stripper model is going to be $30,000. If you want a V8 in that, it essentially doubles the value of the car. If you get options on it or any of the packages, namely the Sasquatch package, which is our favorite, just for name only. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be whatever the base, whatever the sticker is plus 30 grand. If you want that bad boy Whipple supercharged version, that's 45 grand over the price of the truck. Oh my God. I can't How- even imagine having like the Sasquatch package on that with those big balloon tires and then that much horsepower to bounce your ass all over the place. And put it in four, four wheel drive <laughs> and stop it and smoke all four tires. Oh boy. God. What fun would that be? But even with the thirty grand or forty-five grand add-on, both options are still cheaper than a first-gen Bronco built by a boutique shop, like so many people are doing right now. Yeah. So uh, maybe not the worst idea in the world. No, <laughs> I golf clap. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of horsepower, are you going to tell me about this Camaro thing? Sure, uh, Black Dog Performance <laughs> Camaro ZL11. This thing mm-hmm. has 1,300 horsepower. Would you repeat that for me, please, sir? Black Dog Performance Camaro ZL11 packs 1,300 horsepower. <laughs> now, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, at time of talk, it sold. It just sold. Yeah. It just now sold. Son of a gun. It However. Was, it was on eBay of all freaking places. What oh eBay God. what? What? I mean, that's not even bring a trailer. It's... It, it's not on uh, no. lake auctions. It, eBay? 
Holy hell. Nine, I'll sell it here. You can get some uh, doorknobs and a floor mat. Oh, by the yeah. way. 901 miles on it. The Chevy Camaro Z, ZL1 1LE is the mm-hmm. ultimate GM muscle car. It's powered by a 650 horsepower supercharged LT4 engine from the C7 Corvette Z06. But uh, in the age of 760 horsepower Mustangs, this one was lagging a bit in the power department, which is where Black Dog Performance Cars uh, comes in. Black Dog Performance Cars builds and sells all sorts of vintage and modern metal bent on going fast. They replace the 1.7L Eaton R1740 TVS Supercharger with a wow, set that's a mouthful. Oh my god! <laughs> with a set of twin Hellion turbochargers. So took off a one a supercharger, put in two turbochargers. You look under that hood, dude, and you couldn't flip a card, a playing card, and get it between anything in there. No, that thing is packed in there, and those turbos are huge. It looks like it's sucker. A complete cooked goose throne. <laughs> but it's still, you know, even with all of that packed in there and you, your first thought is sweet mother of God. But then second, it's like, that's, that's really cool. Uh, to, support <laughs> the, to support the added boost, they've also added a Pro Charger intake, Weapon X fuel injection, a Monster Clutch, and some other bits from Holly Performance. It, now, the ZL11 made an 815 horsepower and 806 foot-pound of torque at the wheels. With 16 pounds of boost on 93 octane fuel. That's and pump gas. I know, right? Using E55 fuel and boost cranked it up to uh, cranked up to 23 psi. Uh, this Camaro laid down 1,111 rear wheel horsepower <laughs> <laughs> and a thousand six foot pound of torque. I remember at a uh, car show and I did a little video on it. Uh, this was a while ago. Talked to a fellow. I think he had a. Uh, what was it, a 74 Camaro that he was taking out to the drag strip, and he showed me the crease right there at the top of the yeah. window where it cracks because there's so much torque twisting the frame that it starts breaking the freaking body of the car in half. I remember talking <laughs> to that guy. He was at Cars in the Park a couple yes. of years ago yeah. at Shawnee Mission Park, and that that orange Camaro he had, and you could see the ripple. Yeah. Because it's you know if that thing Camaro was laying half. down eleven hundred horsepower at the rear tires, that means it's somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen hundred at the crank. Just crazy. Well, uh, like it says in here, it makes it in the neighborhood of a thirteen hundred horsepower at the crank, more than a Bugatti Veyron. <laughs> I just, which I love because it's a freaking Camaro, and I'm like, yeah, daddy. Oh wow! So pretty wow. cool. Pretty pretty cool. Uh, and I'm sure it's a. It's not cheap. You know, it's running right now at around. Uh, $91,000. That's a ton of money. That is yeah. a ton of money. But to get that kind of performance under a hundred grand. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even the, you know, the red eye, super duper Hellcats, those things you're knocking 80, 90, you know, right from the, oh, yeah. and that's before you get really pretty and crazy with it. So, well, and that's before the dealer tax on whatever the dealer's going to oh, yeah. tack on for <laughs> getting their hands on one of those things. well, Speaking of power, um, Dodge and Ford just keep taking pot <laughs> shots at each other. These guys and, are pushing each other's shoulders in the middle of the cafeteria. Oh, yeah. Oh, this, oh, yeah. oh yeah. It's yeah, awesome. This, is, this has really turned into the, the playground version of my dad's bigger than your dad. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you know who benefits? We, we do. do. <laughs> <laughs> The 2021 Ford F-150 Raptor will have two engine options available. Uh, this comes to us from Muscle Cars and Trucks. 
One of the engine options will be the three liter EcoBoost V6 hybrid uh, powertrain borrowed from the Lincoln Aviator Grand Touring, which produces 496 horsepower and 600 pound-feet of torque. Uh, the hybrid unit will also be capable of an all-electric mode. The other option will likely be the 5.2-liter Predator supercharged V8 <laughs> straight out of the Mustang Shelby GT500, <laughs> pushing 760 oh horsepower. Oh, my God, in my pickup truck, my aluminum body pickup truck. That dog uh, Bring and it. And this is the shot that the Raptor will take at the new Ram 1500 TRX that we talked about last week. <laughs> uh, that one's putting down 702 horse. So, yeah, it's just tit for tat, back and forth. Uh, the new Super Raptor will reportedly be made and sold in limited numbers. Expect the Power Boost, the EcoBoost V6, to be priced between 50 and 60 grand. The Predator yeah. will likely push the price north of 70 grand, just like the Hellcat powered TRX. The Ram 1500 TRX Launch Edition carried a, uh, carries an MSRP of over 90 grand. It sold out in three hours. Oh my God! It sold out in faster three than a hours. concert. In, That's awesome. In three hours, they lined up enough people <laughs> to sell out a ninety thousand dollar pickup. Uh -huh. uh, there have been reports of the of some TRX prototypes testing with the Hellcat Red Eye and Demon supercharged V8 engines, indicating. Fiat Chrysler may have an answer to the Super Raptor, a possible future Ram truck pushing around eight hundred dollars. God help us all. <laughs> you don't know how bad I'd want to roll up to the front of Lowe's with that and be popping in all my oh. lumber and stuff and my sod and then just oh. rip wheels leaving out of it. That's right. Well, I, it, I still got a set. <laughs> yeah, if you if you do it, the sod will stay in the bed, but you're gonna launch the tuba force right out the back. <laughs> Oh, Good grief. How fun. You know, I'm I'm really enjoying this back and forth. This is two giant automotive corporations that have gotten into a playground pissing match using their cars. And, uh, and we're all the better for it. That's awesome. Oh, if nothing else, it's a hell of a show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Our special guests this week are Dave Kenny and Greg Engold of Haggerty, who will be here to discuss the newest Haggerty price guide. What's hot, what's not, what you should be watching. Uh, all this and lots more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, the sweetest smelling podcast on the web. Our special guests this week are uh, their repeat offenders kids, Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold from Haggerty. Uh, Dave is a lifelong automobile enthusiast and collector who currently owns collector cars from the 1960s through the 2000s. He's the owner of U.S. Appraisal, an automotive valuation firm, and an accredited senior appraiser with the American Society of Appraisers. Dave writes for the British magazine Octane, the Haggerty Insider, and is the publisher of the Haggerty Price Guide, which he founded in 2006. Dave also serves on the board of the Rolls-Royce Foundation and the McPherson College Advisory Board. Greg Engold has been working for Haggerty since 2012. He is the associate editor of the Haggerty Price Guide and has been part of the Haggerty Valuation Team since 2014. Greg is an avid Pontiac enthusiast and drives a 69 Grand Prix. Go Grand Prix, baby. Drives a 69 Grand Prix as Northern Michigan seasons allow. Gentlemen, welcome back to Driven Radio. 
Thank you. It's great to be back. Good to see you, Mark. Good to see you, Brett. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, uh, thrilled to have you on. You know, you got a new price grad out, so we had to come and quiz you about what's been happening. Four months ago, we were looking at this COVID stuff thinking, eh, we'll get through this, and we'll have some summer left, and we'll see everybody in Monterey, and zip, none of it. <laughs> none of it. Uh, what did you guys do all summer instead of the usual car stuff? Well, for me, uh, um, exciting news, I guess. Uh, we're working on a pre-war version of the Haggerty Price Guy. Oh, no and- kidding. Yeah, we've already put uh, we've already put a lot of it online. Uh, I mean, it's a you know it's a huge project. Uh, when uh, you know when uh, you know uh, the the people at Haggerty said, well, "Well, wait a minute, you're not traveling, you're not going to these things, you're not doing <laughs> events. Uh, why are we paying you?" Uh, and I said, "You know, we could do old cars." No, just kidding. Maybe <laughs> uh, we've been we have been trying to get pre-war cars in the book literally since maybe. 2012 2013 and one thing we didn't have is time and now we have time so uh i've been working on it uh with uh uh, phil naff who's in my office actually remotely because he's not in the office now uh but uh we've been we've been working on the taxonomy so you know getting the models and model names and all that sort of stuff right and uh then also uh, you know working on the pricing and it's really different with uh, pre-war cars because when yeah. you're looking at looking at some of these cars, it's like, oh, they have 17 models in you know in 1939, <laughs> except for they only built 11 of the catalog models. They're you know, I mean, like six of them just never were made. They don't exist. They put them in the catalog, but nobody said, well, wait a minute, I want to buy you know the one with the uh, with the uh, spares on the back and the side mounted spares. And so they never sold one of those or, you know, whatever, all the variations. And so, uh, going down that rabbit hole takes an awful lot of time, but, uh, we've done Ford, uh, from, uh, I guess, uh, what the 1920s forward, right at this point, uh, 19, the 19, brass era, brass yeah. era model T's. So, uh, yeah, pre, pre, uh, uh, 1915. And then uh, also we've done Dodges. We've done, uh, they're not up yet, though, I guess. But Plymouth we have done, and they're, uh, they're online. Um, what else have we got? I, uh, we've done uh, Chevrolet through the uh, late 20s, through the, you know, so we will be posting Chryslers uh, soon, early 20s, uh, or, you know, mid-20s Chryslers. And then... Uh, Outside of what you've been, you and Phil have been working on uh, SS Jaguars, uh, the 100 SS 90. Those will be uh, going up soon. But uh, there's plenty more in the hopper. Uh, just I just looked at it uh, today, and we have about 14 different generations of cars up since uh, in the past four months. This and, sounds uh, like a huge undertaking, and in addition to maintaining all the information that goes with the standard price guide that you've been doing i'm guessing keeping up with the other stuff it's you're gonna have to have more people well um you know there are what now 11 people full-time on the uh, on the pricing team so uh i mean it's a you know we take it very seriously and it's a pretty big deal um but uh uh this is kind of a like a side project but uh I'm uh, I'm pretty much calling it the Dave Kinney full employment project right now. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I you know next up is the uh, you know next up is Duesenberg's as a matter of fact. Oh and, my god! I mean, you know, talk about a fun car to do, but you know, 
they only made a few hundred of them, but boy, the impact is unbelievable. And then, you know, we have Packards, we have DeSotos, we have Cadillacs. We've been having all kinds of fun because I've gone to my literature collection, which I'm mostly selling on eBay. But uh, when I know something's coming up, I make a copy of it. So we have it so we can look at all the models that were, you know, cataloged and then, you know, take a look. at. And here's the question when it comes right down to it. You know, you're looking at maybe a 35 Plymouth and you're like, what does a 35 Plymouth look like? And so, you know, you've got to get an image in your head of the car, um, the difference between it and the 34, for example. And sometimes, you know, there's big changes and sometimes, you know, they put a new chrome strip on it or something like that. So, uh, you know, it's not just, you know, finding numbers and finding cars that were sold. It's a lot more than that because I like to put a little passion in it so that, uh, you know, if we have a car that, you know, that people are passionate about and everybody's passionate about something in the car world, but if we have something that is uniquely different, you know, not just maybe another 14 horsepower or something like that, but, a, you know, a different grill, like a swept back grill or, you know, maybe a, a few fine lines of styling on the side of the car or something like that, it can make a huge difference in pricing. So all that stuff gets put in the hopper and then we kind of stir it up a little bit and then we uh, spit out some numbers and uh, then we send them to Greg and Greg posts them and then uh, we wait for feedback. So um, it's all great. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Are there several car companies that didn't make it past World War II? Oh, yeah. A lot oh, of car absolutely. companies didn't make it past World War II. So uh, uh, LaSalle uh, you know, yeah. is one example. Um, uh, there were a whole bunch that got weeded out in the 20s, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Cord, great example. They, they, revi- they started yeah. in 29. They ended in 31. Actually, they sold cars in 32, but I think their production ended in 31. I'll double check that. And then they made in 37 and 30 or 36 and 37, they made the 812 and the 810, the car that most people know as Cord. But they were gone in 38. You know, by 39, they were they were out of business. So uh, a whole bunch of cars. Auburn, Auburn didn't survive. Duesenberg yeah, that didn't was survive. my next question. Yeah, a bunch of them. So yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of Auburn, we just started uh, diving into Auburn, and that's fun because, you know, you think of these beautiful, you know, like gracious cars and the Speedster and all that. Mm-hmm. They made some pretty ugly cars in the 1920s, <laughs> just like everybody else. Yes, they they want not. They call them box-on-box design. It's like you take one long box and then you put a smaller box on, and that's the passenger compartment, and there's your design right there. Yeah. So, you know, the fun part is is that, uh, you know, very few of them, I mean, let's just, you know, be out, outright honest here, there aren't too many of them that still have their original body. Now, yeah. in the 60s, 70s, and onward, not having your original body, well, really since World War II on, is a sin. I mean, it's like horrible, but I mean, you have no idea that some of these 1920 cars, they were built with a body that would be like a four-door sedan, and then the people didn't want to buy another car, so they bought a second body. They had the car rebodied with a second body, took the body off, hung it from the rafters of the garage. Did you know this, Brent? Yeah. So they, they, they hung it from the rafters of the garage, and they would, you know, in the springtime, they'd pop out the roadster body. And yeah. so, it, you know, it, it might not have been an original body, but it could have been an original period body. We may be and getting then, back to that with uh, printing, when you can print out your own fenders. I mean, yeah, hell, it's, it's all going to be strap-on, and it's going to be wonderful. I can't wait. So the, uh, the, the you know, the interesting part is, is that, um, you know, if it has a period correct body, the other thing is that, I mean, you know, we're, we're working on this right now, but pretty much if your car is supercharged, so it's instead of a, 
a J, it's an SJ, so a supercharged JMO, it only adds a million dollars to the value. So, yeah. I mean, you know, probably a pretty good idea to buy one if you could take <laughs> the time machine back to, uh, you know, mm -hmm. 1931 or 1932. But then again, you'd have to have a billionaire's money in 1932. And they were a little short on billionaires after the Depression. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny how that works. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. That was... That, that's a that's an amazing thought. I I knew that there was some demand for price guys for pre-war cars, but they're tough to find. And uh, knowing the way you guys do stuff, I'm excited to see that. That'll be really cool. Yeah, we're really so, looking forward to having it out there. Thank you very much, Brent. Yeah, if, if you two haven't been traveling, have you uh, have you been online looking for new stuff? Did either of you buy anything this summer? Sold something, I didn't buy anything. I uh, sold my uh, my 73 Cougar that's been in my family since new. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Put it on was... Facebook, not Facebook Marketplace, but Facebook. And um, I got a call from, or uh, actually a text from uh, a high school friend of mine, believe it or not. And he said, hey, my wife and I are thinking about getting a, you know, kind of a classic car. Can we come over and take a look? And I said, yeah, you know, first come, first serve. But absolutely, I'd love to let you, you know, you can have it for the afternoon. No problem. And uh, at 11 o'clock at night, I got a Facebook messenger from a dealer who's a friend of mine. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I, he gave me a, a pretty darn good offer. And uh, so I called him up. We talked at 11 o'clock on Sunday night. Keep in mind the ad, the ad, just the posting was six hours old at this point oh, wow. and yeah. made a deal. And he wired me the money on Monday and uh, he has the car now. So uh, now if memory serves, wasn't that your mom's car? It was my mother's car. Yeah. She uh, passed away in 76. She bought it new in 73. When I say new, I found out that she bought it as a demonstrator. So when she bought it, it had 5,000 miles on it. And when I sold it, it had about 34,000 on it. So it's still a pretty darn nice, pretty original car. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's sad, but I need the space in the garage. And yeah, my, new mantra, my new mantra is it's, you know, I used to always say it's, it's great to drive a slow car fast, uh, but it's better to drive a fast car. <laughs> so, so that's that's what I've been doing. I've been yeah. The next paying. question was was that bittersweet for you to part with? But if you uh, if you take that and put it into something that you know, uh, I was going to say blows your hair back, but hey. if if you put it into something that is exciting for you, that probably helps. Well, um, it went into kitchen appliances basically so far. Uh, so, you know, happy wife, happy life, right? Uh, yeah. but, uh, and and don't, don't worry, we didn't spend all of it on kitchen appliances. But uh, I'm, you know, let's put it this way. It was time. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom had it for three years. I had it for 40. So it's not like I didn't respect her or something like that. I didn't, you know, flip it. Uh, you know, actually, a friend of mine who was a car dealer said, "You damn flipper!" You know, whatever. And like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, got it as a you know as a, a gift from my family in '76, and I and I flipped it in 2020. Uh, you know, well, that's hardly <laughs> flipping. But um, you know, it's time. Um, I'm not driving it, and uh, every time I got in, to be real honest with you, um, what happened was people would say, "Hey, did you buy that new?" And I'm like. No, I didn't buy it new. I didn't have the money in 1973, okay? I was in college. I wasn't, I'm not that old, you know, whatever. So, uh, uh, you know, so I, yeah, not really, but I mean, it was kind of like, 
you know, it's not me anymore. I mean, it's a, I, I like it and I had fun with it, but I had my fun and it's time to pass it on to somebody else. So. Yeah. Uh, 44 years is rather a protracted business plan for flipping things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, I think if I put it in the worst stock in the stock market, I probably could have done better. But, uh, uh, well, thank goodness I didn't put it in General Motors stock and lose it all in the bankruptcy. But, <laughs> oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, but anyhow, I had my fun. It's time for somebody else to have fun is the way I look at it. Greg, did you do anything fun and irresponsible? No, no. I, uh, I like Dave. I did the responsible thing. I, I looked, but uh, didn't uh, didn't purchase. Um, I downsized a project car that I that I needed to get out of the garage for a long time. So on the road, but uh, you know, it's never to look. You never know what what'll happen, but. Uh, as of right now, I'm not actively looking to add to the collection. Uh, you guys are, are better than I am. I got snagged in an old Harley and spent my summer rebuilding that. And uh, nice. she, tur- she turned out okay. okay. Uh, so do you think that we're going to be able to go back to having more regular car events and activities next year? That's a tough one. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I'll go. I'll go first here, Greg. Uh, there is a a, a concours this weekend coming up on Labor Day at uh, um, in West Virginia at the Greenbrier, and uh, that'll be the first event that I'm aware of since March. Basically, um, you know, Greenbrier is in White Sulphur Spring, West Virginia. It's not exactly a population center, uh, and they have their rules in effect with you know uh, spacing and masks and all that sort of stuff. Um, I am pretty sure that we're not going to have anything close to a vaccine for another, I hate to say it, probably close to nine months or something like that. And so I think the next spring might be a little tough, but I will say that in England, they're having, uh, they're having more events. Um, And in some places that, uh, you know, not to get political about it, but they took a different approach to handling COVID. Um, you know, they're, they're in a little better shape. So I think if we see that pathway forward or if we, you know, get lucky with some of this stuff ending, but I, you know, I mean, I love cars, but I don't want to die for a car. Uh, sure. So, um, I mean, I, I miss going to these events. I, I, I miss it dearly. It's been a part of my life for, you know, all of my life. It seems like, I mean, from, you know, I, I went to the first Auburn auction, not the first one, but the first one I went to was in 1973. Well, you know, um, somebody here, you know, wasn't even uh, around in 1973. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all looking at you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, you know, so I was an adult going to the, well, okay, quasi adult. I'm still kind of a quasi adult, but going to these events and, uh, you know, and now, um, you know, uh, not being able to go to them, it's like a big part of a uh, big part of my life is missing. I really enjoy the people. I love the cars uh, and the camaraderie is what it's all about. I mean, you know, there's nothing like, you know, catching up with people you haven't seen in, in, you know, over a year or maybe a few months or something like that and swapping lives. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's, that's tough, uh, but it'll get better. I know that it will. And uh, it's just a matter of time. In the meantime, um, you know, I'm saving a little money by not going these things. I think, <laughs> I think Delta Airlines has sent me a couple of, uh, we miss you, Dave, uh, you know, uh, and uh, Hilton Hotels has, has done the same yeah, thing. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, sure I'm, going on, I'm going on my first appraisal job here in the middle of the month. And then um, 
uh, I'm going to uh, Audrain on um, on October 1st. Uh, they're not having an event, but they're having a drive uh, for the Audrain Concours. Won't be held this year, but they're going to have a, you know, the usual socially distance uh, uh, lunch after a drive, and I'm looking forward to going that. So uh, I'm driving from here in Virginia up to Connecticut. Uh, and then I'm driving back, and then I'm driving up to Rhode Island. And if you think about it, I'm driving up to Connecticut twice plus another 150 miles. So I'm going to put the miles on the F-150. That's the There you go. There you yeah. go. You know, it seems like rallies are one of the things that we uh, they have been able to do because it's easier to socially distance. You're in your own car. Right. Uh, and it's. I was really happy to see those still going on, still happening. Now, not to the degree that they would be normally, but uh, I, I think rallies for people who can do them uh, have been a saving grace. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, there's still some cars and coffee events and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, the really funny thing is my office window overlooks a, a pretty good size, let's call it, you know, not a rural road, but a, a transportation link road. And uh, during the first couple of weeks of lockdown, it was hilarious because I'd see a Cobra replica followed by a 47 Ford pickup truck. <laughs> and then three cars later, a Bentley. And then, you know, maybe seven, eight, ten cars later, you know, a, a 60s muscle car. I mean, everybody was out driving because one way to social yeah. distance is to do it in your car. And I, yep. I'm Dave Kinney and I endorse that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, have you gotten any, put any miles on that Grand Prix? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, not as much as what I'd like to, but uh, I mean, you can never really drive as as much as you'd like to. But uh, I've I've attended a few events with uh, some of my uh, coworkers here in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, we've had a, a few organized uh, drives. Uh, you know, social distancing, all the uh, you know, all the necessary precautions, but. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've taken the car out a few times and done a few drives with uh, with you know a few friends and and colleagues and it's been it's been really nice but uh, certainly haven't driven the car as much as I would prefer sure. but um, you know that's you know it it is what it is and uh, just being able to get out once in a while is is great but um, you know it's not. Uh, it's not always feasible to, to get a group of people together who, who want to drive and you just have to, you know, respect uh, some people's wishes there. And, uh, you know, I've been, uh, been getting out with the car whenever I can. So. Well, good. It sure seems like most of the major collector car auctions uh, and auction companies uh, have shifted to an online format in the face of all the live events being canceled. And, some of them have really done well. Uh, it's it's been uh, very encouraging to see how they've done. Do you think this new paradigm will continue uh, continue to be the case even after a vaccine is found? Greg, why don't you go first? I'll, uh... um, I, I I have the feeling that uh, those that uh, thrive on an in person setting, you know, say your Meekums and your Eric Jacksons, I think that given the the first chance that they can do it, they probably will. Uh, I, I, I can see some of the higher end auctions that have been doing very well. Uh, maybe I, I could see them doing a hybrid uh, to reach more people, but uh, yeah. 
And I could uh, I could envision a lot more uh, online only uh, type. Well, we've seen a lot of online only type auctions uh, come out. Yeah. Uh, Cars and Bids uh, is out there competing with Brain Trailer now, and uh, more keep popping up because it's so easy to do it. But um, I I don't see. I don't see the online auctions going away. I, I think that uh, some places are really embracing it and doing it well. And uh, unless there's a business case for them to stop, I think they're going to continue. Yeah, yeah you, uh, uh, you don't see the bidder uh, on the other side of the room, and that's a big part of it, the competition of a bid in some places, especially, uh, you know, like, uh, like Greg just said, the Meekums and the, uh, the Bear Jacksons. I think there's an awful lot of machismo going on, I guess. If, uh, you know, if that, if that guy wants the car, I want it more, you know, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, you know, that does affect things. But I have a feeling that, you know, the new normal, when we get back to it, will be a little different. It might be, you know, everybody's got a pad at their seat and they can just, you know, put a bid in or something like that. Um, because, be yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting already because I think, you know, absolutely i can't wait for you know for the uh, for the big shows to come back uh, even the even the rms and the and the gooding size yeah. you know it's a lot of fun you meet people you see people you you know you 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 have that kind of fun maybe even if you're not bidding and you're just watching cars like i would be most of the time um it, you know it's fun but uh, here's the other part of it it costs a lot of money to put those things on now you know it the especially the Barrett jacksons and the meekums i would say um, you know, they had sponsors, lots of sponsors. And so what happens there? You know, I mean, running a banner for, you know, Ford or Chevrolet up top is not the same as a ride and drive in a Mustang or, uh, uh, you know, a Corvette or something like that. There's a huge difference. And so, you know, those companies aren't going to pay huge money to have another banner on another website. So that's a problem. Um, you know, not buying the hat, not buying the T-shirt, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's got to cut into the income. But on the other side, they don't have the expense of, you know, putting up the world's largest tent or going to a farm show or, you know, whatever, wherever they're, they're having it. So, so there's kind of, you know, good news and bad news. Um, you know, I, I have bought an awful lot of literature in the past. Which I'm now selling on eBay, by the way. Would you like, would you like to know my handle? Um, but, but, yes, sir. Yes, please. Uh, buy this stuff. B u i t h i s t u f f. No two s's. And D H Kinney because that's very creative. Because that's my first two initials in my last name. So at least you know who I am. But anyhow, see, I'm going to jot that down. Yeah, you should. Well, maybe you can watch this thing. You know, I mean, instead of just participate in it. You know, so no. But uh, anyhow, uh, um, you know, I still have a lot of the stuff that I wanted and wanted to keep and stuff. But you know, I, you know, I, unless my, uh, you know, when I die, unless my wife's, uh, you know, new husband is in the cars, I think the stuff will get shoveled out by the uh, truckload and, uh, I'd rather turn it into some cash while I'm still around. So, uh, you know, I got to keep that Bentley fat, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it, uh, it likes its attention in the, in, uh, you know, both gasoline and, uh, repairs. So, uh, well, God love the English. Uh, I was at, uh, I was at Mika Mindy in July and I was really surprised at the number of people who showed up that that was a huge sale and, uh, lots of cars and lots of people really surprised by how many people were there and, uh, being in the room when that flying Mustang sold, 
uh, just it, it was fun to go back to a big sale. Yeah. And yeah. you're right. There's something visceral about that that you just don't get online. With all of that said, online works. Online still works. And there's still a mm -hmm. demand. And I think it was uh, exacerbated by the fact that nobody had been able to do much of anything for a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, however, Meek the Meekum bid handlers are no longer touching you when you bid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that, that could some, be a good thing for some. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, you eliminate the creepy factor on that. If, that's, <laughs> if, if, if it's an unwelcome one, you know, it's like, you know, no, you're not my best friend. Okay. I want that to be clear. You know, I'm, I'm trying to buy something here. Don't distract me. So, yeah. Well, uh, bids uh, no, were being I, taken from a distance. Yeah, no, uh, I know. And I, you know, I watched a lot of that sale. Um, actually, uh, uh, Greg and I were involved in a Haggerty watch party because we we're so, you know, oh, we got, we're going to have a live sale. We're going to have an actual live sale. So they had uh, some great lots at that sale. It was really impressive. Yeah. There was some, yeah. some terrific stuff. Okay. So what's new in the price guide this quarter? Who are the big winners and losers? Uh, give us a rundown. Okay, got to run now. Listen, uh, it was great to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not run now, run down. Oh, okay. Oh. Greg, you uh, yeah. you lead off here. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, some of the big winners. Um, a lot of them. A lot of our winners were really trending towards the uh, the, the newer collectible cars. I mean, and it's not it's not a new trend. I, this is something that's been going on been going on for uh, quite some time. But um, one of the familiar makes on this list here. Uh, a good one to start out with is uh, E30 BMW 3 Series. Those, yeah. and I'm not talking the M3s. I'm talking about the just the standard run of the mill 3 Series. Those, yeah, uh, those went up in average uh, twenty percent this this past guide. Wow. Um, there's just been a wide range of uh, we we'd say average condition cars that have been selling really really well compared to compared to what their price guide value would be. So uh, you know they're getting some recognition, and uh, it's time for them to to come up. And uh, I, honestly, I think it's uh, well deserved. They're great cars. Uh, they've got a great following. Um, I, I guess to anybody watching it, it's uh, you know, it's a, could say it's about time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they were overdue. I remember driving some of those and thinking they were really terrific cars, and those were still by BMW standards pretty basic. Mm -hmm. There wasn't tons of electronics involved, or, or uh, you know, lots of computers and sensors and modules, and uh, just a really fantastic basic car. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And uh, uh, the interesting thing that we're seeing, and uh, you know, there's no surprise on this one because anybody who signed on to bring a trailer, uh, you know, is going to go look at one of those cars, whether you want to or not. You know, when they've got like eight live, you know, one ends tomorrow, one ends tomorrow, uh, the day after tomorrow, one day, you know, ends the day after that. And yeah. uh, you, these are not brand new virgins. I mean, some of these are you know 180,000 oh. mile cars. Yeah. I mean. No, well, people drove the hell out of these things. Yes, they know? did. Yeah, they did. And they've held up pretty well. So, I, you know, I, more power to them. Not my cup of tea. Uh, I'd rather have a, you know, a, frankly, a, a car that looks more sporting um, than that. Um, I, but you're talking to the guy. I, I will tell you, you know, we, we've shared some funny automotive stories. 
I bought a Maserati by Turbo. Yes, I know. You know, forgive oh, me. God. I, I have oh. sinned and all that sort of stuff, you know, whatever. But anyhow, I got it in a trade with a bunch of things. And uh, my wife has a friend that she's known all of her life. And it's so much so that their mothers would push their strollers in the same park. Okay. <laughs> That's all of your life. And uh, she came over to the house one day and she walked by and, he, and she said, what is that? Like a Maserati Corolla? <laughs> and then I looked at the thing and I'm like, yeah, it is the Maserati Corolla. Only the Corolla works. You know, that yeah. was the difference. Um, hey, so they, I, they were sexy looking. Well, kind of. Um, sort but, of. You know, but yeah, but I mean, your Maserati, you know, as is typical, what they, they probably previewed it in 83 and then built it in 88 or something like that. I, I don't remember my years. But in the meantime, you know, the Japanese guys say, hey, that's a pretty good looking car. Let's make something that looks just like it. And they called it the Corolla. So, uh, I mean, you know, I, I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the look of a sports car that, you know, to me, that BMW has a sporty look. There's not, no doubt about it. But, you know, I mean, a Z car, you know, that looks like a sports yeah. car or yeah. that that looks like, a you know, whatever. To me, it kind of it looks like a, you know, like a, um, you know, a more stately sports car. How's that? Sure. There you go. What, what else hit big, Greg? Um, well, uh, Z cars actually hit big this this time. There you go, and not to, and not your typical two forty Zs or the um or the nineties three hundred ZX. Uh, we're talking about the eighty four through eighty nine three hundred ZX. So and, and that's it. I know the the, the one that's uh, the the one that's uh, kind of gets lost in translation. There, it gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, uh, I, I they're still perfectly good cars. I mean, there's uh. It, yeah, but they were like disco ten years late. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that probably could be. Uh, and, and something's wrong with that. I mean, you know. <laughs> they were staying but, alive, man. <laughs> but uh, those those overall saw a uh, an average gain of forty five percent. Wow. Now, granted, they're still very affordable cars. So 40, 45% doesn't necessarily go very far with a car that's already relatively inexpensive, but uh, they're, they're starting to, to get some of the recognition that they've, that the other models have been gaining. Um, and I think it's uh, probably a, a case of a rising tide bringing up all, all ships here. No, it's, it's not, a, it's not a 240. It's, you know, it's not the original and it's not the, the technologically advanced, uh, but, uh, you know, if, if you want, if you want the turbo and you want the sporty looks, but can't afford the nineties car, this is probably a really, really solid alternative. And they're seeing some love. But and in the 84s uh, to 89s were probably grossly overshadowed by the new one that bowed in 90 because yes. it was so good looking. And yes. that thing looked, that thing still looks fairly contemporary now. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that what it is for those people who are, you know, who have a 370 right now and are thinking this will never be a classic. This argues that it will be a classic that will, you know, somebody will want it uh, later on. And, and I mean, not that they don't want it now, but now you buy it as a driver, uh, you know, you, it's a, it's a used car, but yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the generation that just went up was, shall we just say the forgotten generation for a long no. period of time? I mean, I never hated them, but the, you're right. They were, you know, they came to the disco party a little late and those, uh, <laughs> you know, those platform heels just didn't do all that well during that time. 
um, and the you know and the the white ice cream man suit didn't do all that well. But uh, uh, you look at one of those things in in factory black, and it's a pretty pretty stunning yeah. car. So I yeah. mean, I think it's a little bit color dependent. I mean, maybe just a little, but um, you know, you know, you 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 know, with age becomes not just appreciation, but appreciation with a small letter, you know, not just the, the dollar stuff. But, uh, and I, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, in fairness to us, let's throw us under the bus a little bit. I don't think we paid a lot of attention to that car uh, last book. So I think that kind of snuck up on us. So, and that does happen. I mean, you know, a lot of times you just kind of pro forma go over something and then, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa, what did we miss? So uh, there's a little bit of that there, but, you know, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Right, that is. What's next, Greg? Uh, we've got uh, the 89 through 95 uh, Ferrari 348TB. Uh, those uh, went up by 28% this, uh, this last time around. Wow. Wow. That's and I, I think that uh, much like the uh, the 300ZX, this is uh, not not a car that is in the forefront of uh, 80s and 90s Ferraris. So it's it's not the first thing that comes to mind when you say, you know, Ferrari from that uh, from that era from that era. But uh, strong online sales. So I mean, you know, we we're talking earlier about uh, bring a trailer being a great place to, to sell a car right now and strong sales. This is one of those cars that's uh, performed very well. And uh, it's, uh, it's just one of those, uh, one of those cases where I, I think it's a combination of probably not paying as close attention because it's like, well, it's a 348, but uh, also just newfound uh, appreciation from buyers. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't those known, to, at least early in the production, to have uh, some electrical gremlins that were difficult to deal with? Electrics in a Ferrari? Are you serious? <laughs> They're among the best cars ever built in the world. Well, uh, I, the, I'm sorry. Keep in mind the TB was a later series, so uh, and the yeah. TS, which is the spider that goes along with it. Berlin at a you know, B uh, S for spider. Um, so these were a little bit later cars. Um, yeah. You know, you know, once we get into a certain era, the eighties electronics becomes a problem. And yeah. um, you know, the, the, the formerly leading edge, bleeding edge, you know, slash slash um, electronics can be a problem, but I, you know, I, I, I think it's overrated in some ways. There's always a solution to those problems and the more valuable the cars become, the more solutions seem to pop up. So, well, and certainly with time, people figure out how to deal with the things that, uh, initially may have seemed daunting. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times it's, uh, you know, instead of replacing it with the exact same thing, you get the microchip that does 74 functions that you know <laughs> some guy is going to make for his car and then he goes wait a minute you know yeah i've got like you know 480 hours into designing this and building it but i can make another one and you know the the hard cost is five bucks a piece so i can sell these things for eleven hundred dollars all day long because if i have the problem somebody else will sure uh, i mean we're already seeing that in in every you know every era 60s cars a friend of mine has a 60s carbureted car, and he's getting the carburetor that is actually a fuel injection unit and yeah. putting it in his car. Uh, I was talking to him today, as a matter of fact, and I said that for my 25th uh, high school reunion, uh, you kids will get there someday. Uh, for my 25th uh, uh, high school reunion, they asked me to write a little piece, and I wrote it about how how many hours I spent arguing with my friends about carburetors. 
carburetors in a good natured <laughs> way. And we were all wrong because the best carburetor is fuel injection. Sorry, yep. but it's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, can you imagine taking your F one fifty or my F one fifty and putting a carburetor on it? No way. Not a chance, world. Jack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I want it to run. I don't want to learn yeah. how to fix carburetors again. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so uh, you know, there's a solution we never knew that was going to happen. But yeah, you can get a you know, quote, carburetor that is actually a fuel injection unit now. So, yeah. you know, and that's not a bad idea for some people, especially yeah. if you're going to put a lot of miles on the car. The new password is Holly Sniper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. exactly, exactly. Give us a few losers. What what was looking good that has had a there, little bit of the tarnish? There, there, are no, there are no losers in Haggerty World. You should know that. <laughs> there are only cars that underperformed. Right, Greg? Yes, I mean, these, these cars still received a trophy, but... Uh, <laughs> the participation. I, I wish I could have explained that to my dad when grade cards came out. I just underperformed. <laughs> underperformed. So um, probably one of, one of the biggest steps back for, for this book uh, is the 2017 Ford GT. Just started uh, pricing those, or at, we included those in the price guide last year once they became legal to, uh, to sell. Uh, I don't know if you have been changing hands, uh, you know, outside of uh, the agreements that uh, owners have with, uh, with Ford. But, uh, yeah, let's step back about 49%. Um, wow. But keep the, keep in mind that is still higher than what uh, the original buyers were paying for the cars by, by yeah. quite quite a bit. I mean, if, if you have a really really mint one, you're still looking at a million dollar plus car. And if you have one that somebody's enjoyed, still looking at about a eight hundred thousand dollar car. So you know, there's if you bought it new, there's there's really not any way you're going to be losing money on one of these. Um, really my feeling here is, uh, we're seeing the same thing that, that happened with the Dodge Demon. Uh, when, when those came out and everybody wanted it and they were super scared, they were going for just massive amounts of money. And once the supply started catching up with demand, then the prices started to stabilize. They're still worth more than what, uh, what MSRP is, but, uh, not as much as what they were initially. So. Sure. Yeah, these these did take a step back, but they are still very very valuable, very sought after cars. Uh, I just it's looking like with uh, the supply starting to increase, with more cars being able to come onto the market, uh, the you know the feeding frenzy uh, at at high dollar is is done, and and things have started to stabilize a bit. What else has taken a step back or underperformed? The uh, another big one for us is the '86 or '88 Porsche 930s. Those, uh, oh. those were you know the hot commodity not not that long ago, but uh, and I still believe that they are hot commodities. They're just not, not commanding the same the same uh, prices that they used to. They stepped back about fourteen percent. Mm-hmm. I mean that it's enough to hurt, but uh, I don't see the bottom falling out on these. These are established highly sought after collector cars. It's we're, we're just not seeing them trade hands at the, at the values that they used to be. And uh, who knows that could turn around in, you know, a few months or even a year or more. But uh, as of right now, that's uh, that's where the market sits with these. So, I mean, the, the important thing to know is if you bought one last year, you might be underwater, but if you bought one, you know, 13, 14 months ago, you know, you're still probably in the, in the black with the car. Um, and you know, I think that's another supply and demand issue. A lot of it. I mean, they were, 
you know, they, they go up and, and generally speaking, they, you know, after they've gone up for a period of time, they find their way down or settle out. That's not a lot of money in a, in a car like that. And, and it actually could be made up for in a difference, like a lower mileage car or a unusual color or, you know, unusual set of options and things like that. So, um, you know, that's, it's not across the board, um, but, but it is a, a little bit of a step back. Um, one of the things, one of the things that, uh, you know, some of the bright spots, though, uh, we've only talked about cars and mostly about them damn furrin cars, um, you know, uh, uh, Blazers. Um, yeah. Doing well, doing real well. And they were yes. due. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, you know, they're not like, you know, Ford Lightnings, which will you know, be wandering in the desert forever. But. <laughs> or Harley Davidson F 150s. Oh, hey, 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 hey. We have real under, underappreciated unicorns here. It's hallelujah. It's about time. <laughs> yeah. Bus, meet Brett. <laughs> but yeah, um, back to Blazers. Yeah, the, they did it incredibly well. There was some incredibly strong sales for uh for square body blazers so for those of you not in the know that's 73 through 91 uh strongest performers were the 76 through 79 so that's the um half roof trucks but still the round headlights sure those those had a couple very strong sales and warranted a a pretty decent uh bump on the uh on the higher end uh trucks so um, I don't have the percentage in front of me at, at the moment, but they were one of the best performing trucks. I think it was, was it fourteen percent up across the board. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I believe that's about right. Yeah, that's healthy. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, here it is, eighteen percent. Okay, so I missed it by four. I mean, if you're rounding error, I probably still would have gotten a C. <laughs> so we're okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, it's strong. It's strong money, but. You know, is this the Bronco effect? I mean, you know, the Broncos were, you know, I mean, they just went up and up and up. And, you know, now the word Bronco, I mean, everybody knows it. You know, remember the, you know, a month ago, the super top secret unveiled that the entire world watched all at the same time of the brand new Bronco. And that thing's the second worst, the second worst secret in all of cardam. Right yeah. after the 8th Gen Corvette. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, you know, my niece is sending me a thing. Did you know about this? And it's like, uh, yeah, I kind of did. But anyhow, um, um, uh, I think those cars are going to, uh, those trucks are going to be really hot sellers. I mean, I, I, I just can't see them not being a big hit. And, you know, top of the mind, you know, here comes the Bronco. Well, what about owning a classic Bronco? Well, I've, I've said this for a year now, but you cannot turn on a television set broadcast tv or cable that has ads and not see a bronco in an ad over the course of like a three-hour period i mean it's you know it's selling you know ed you know erectile dysfunction (laughs) stuff it's selling you know 50 different brands of uh, of other medications it's selling you know the bronco lifestyle which is like you know apparently you know you go for a ride with your dog in the back to the park and that's what you and your girlfriend do and uh, so, you know, from from that standpoint, boy, those things have really, you know, I mean, they've gone from being, you know, wandering in the wandering in the desert, basically, which is a good place to have a Bronco, uh, to being like a, a lifestyle car, and, sure. and deservedly so, deservedly yeah. so. All right, so Greg, uh, your presentation today: best yeah. collector cars for fifteen grand or less. Can you give us uh, give us five highlights from that? 
Yeah, five highlights from those. Now, you know, keep in mind this is a comprehensive list. This was uh, partially cars that uh, we felt were good buys in number three, which is what we consider good condition. So yeah. your average driver. So um, some cars can be had for that number three. Some for uh, you can have a nice car for that fifteen grand. Some you know so. Keep in mind, this isn't a comprehensive list. A, a few of the highlights here, C, C4 Corvettes, uh, they're, yeah. they're always a really good buy for that sort of money. I mean, anytime you can get a Corvette for, you know, affordable prices, that's that's good. And to, people know the, the nuance and the difference, but uh, everybody else who's a casual car enthusiast uh, looks at a Corvette and says, that's hot and that's a, that's a good car. So, you know, you can get a pretty decent C4 for that money. No, you're not talking ZR1. No, you're not talking great sport. But uh, you could either get the nicest 84 in the world or you could get, you know, pretty decent uh, LT1 power for that sort of money, which is, that's the route I would go if I was uh, looking for a C4. Just, you know, the I appreciate a little extra power. You know, after 92, you get the LT1. It's 300 yeah. horse. Uh, you've got traction control, which... Drive one of those in the rain without it, and you're going to find out how important that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I've had a couple of them myself, and yeah, shy of the fact that it's like getting in and out of a canoe every time you want to get in it. Yeah, uh, they're not too bad. No, yeah, but but you know, and this is the, the well, really the second generation, but for all practical purposes, the first generation of. GM cars that uh, are, you know, uh, Corvettes in particular, that the air conditioning is more than just a mouth breathing over a yeah, ice cube yeah. uh, because it, it actually at that point it really started to work really, really well. So well, that's important as well. So. And I, I had uh, three third gen Corvettes as well. And a couple of those had air, and the air was, it was a hint. Of AC. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I grew up around a third gen. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And what I really appreciate about the C4 is the fact that you've got a lot more room to work on it and fix things when you open yeah. the hood. Yeah, another one that, that made the list. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of become a running joke for uh, for a lot of people, but the uh, the Miata. Um, and specifically the Mazda Speed. So that's uh, that's the kind of rare turbocharged version kind mm -hmm. of there though is uh, you can you can get a pretty decent one for this price and it's already got the turbo installed because let's face it anybody who has these cars and enjoys it for a little bit and says you know i wish i had more power you know turbo seems to be the the you know the obvious answer for a lot of people it's not really that hard but must has done all the work for you and you don't have to worry about workmanship from you know Johnny in his uh, in his driveway and uh, a set of uh, hundred piece craftsman tools that did it <laughs> and a YouTube video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Familiar. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you can save a buck, save a buck. But uh, you know, you've got a car that's set up for it. It's uh, you know, the horsepower is very comparable to the current Miata, and you're talking a little bit smaller car. So, and all the jokes aside. Those are great little cars. They yeah. drive really well. They're a ball to have. Uh, you know, throw the top down. <laughs> yeah, look at you, Dave. You YouTube certified <laughs> master tech. 
I saw the video, so I know how to do it. So. Yeah, my God. <laughs> Guilty as <That's>, charged. <laughs> you put those on every car you work on, send them out the door oh. that way? <laughs> I, you know, it's on my office door here. Are you kidding me? So, uh, I, I, the, you know, for the record, you don't want me working on your car. I don't want to work on your car. I don't even want to work on my own car. But uh, I'm much better at writing credit card receipts than I am at fixing cars. Yeah, I'm, I'm in touch with that emotion. Uh, another one, uh, we just talked about them earlier, uh, blazers. Uh, but we're not talking about square body blazers. We're talking about the 92 through 99. So, that encompasses a few different name changes. So you've got the full-size Blazer through 94. They changed the name to the Tahoe. Tahoe. Uh, the GMC Yukon. Uh, now we're talking about the two doors, not the four doors. Uh, yeah. These are phenomenal trucks. I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience. I've owned a couple, and I regret selling each one of them. Uh, they're really good trucks. They don't require uh, a big budget to maintain them. And, you know, kind of, uh, kind of like a, any other full-size SUV, they're, they, they're kind of the best of both worlds. I mean, they are off-road capable. Um, I can attest to that. Uh, but if you, live in, if you live in a small town or a city, you can easily find a parking spot with them, too. But sure. uh, we have started to see some sales of very, very, very nice uh particularly Yukon GTs reach uh, upwards of 30, but wow. you can get a darn nice uh, 82 through, I'm sorry, 92 through 99 full-size Blazer, Yukon, uh, whatever. You can get a really nice one for 15 grand or under. And I think that much like that 300ZX that we talked about, uh, you get priced out of the one that you really want. This is a really good option. And it's got all the amenities like AC is pretty common in it. Power windows, power locks are very common. So uh, I wouldn't turn one down. And in, in fact, uh, I, I would love to have another one. So I, uh, the real challenge I've found when I've gone looking for those things is finding them that don't have a ton of miles on them. Yes. Because uh, much like the BMWs we talked about earlier, People drove the hell out of them, yep. and they were they are really great trucks, and they uh, they were comfortable, and they'd haul stuff, and they'd haul people, and uh, it's tough to find them that don't have a zillion miles on them. Well, the the last one I had had uh, two hundred and thirty thousand miles on it. Um, yeah. Had a little bit of Michigan rust, but the engine just ran like a champ and it, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the thing. And, uh, that was with a younger Greg beating on it. So, um. and, and th those of you who don't live and uh, haven't visited Michigan, a little bit of Michigan rust is that means that Greg replaced the floor twice. Yeah. So yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah you got to watch the rubber panels on those guys. Otherwise, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get away from you if you live in a salty, uh, salty state. So yeah, a little bit of Michigan rust means from the door handles down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. <laughs> All those fiberglass parts on the, you know, the roof, they're, they're fine. They didn't yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, great, great trucks. I I don't see them getting any cheaper. I mean, really, the you know, my my way of taking the temperature on some of these things is if it's something that I really like, it's probably going to go up because uh, I look at it and I go, man, I'd really like to have it. And I go back, and go, man, I'd really like to have that. And by the time I go about it, it's already more than I want to pay for it. So 
Okay, I, I'm going to cut you short on the last two, Greg, because I got two other questions that are really important. Yeah, uh, go one, for it. For each of you, Dave and Greg both, what would you be looking for for yourself right now? Uh, what would you tell people to hold on to and what would you tell people to get rid of? Well, I'll take this one. Uh, hold on to a car that you love, and a car that you use, and a car that makes you happy. And I, you know, I'm like, what, Marie Kondo or whatever her name was, yes. you know, like the, if it doesn't bring you joy. Um, Marie Kondo, that's not her name, but I like it. Um, <laughs> any, anyhow, uh, if, if it's not giving you joy uh, in one way or another, whether it's just rebuilding it, looking at it in the garage, or hopefully driving it, uh, then you probably, you know, it's probably time to, to, to pass it on to somebody else. Um, I, my current mantra is newer cars, faster cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I've been working on. Um, boy, I, I, I've, I've looked at a couple of different cars that I, I say, I wouldn't mind having that. Uh, you know, I'm a Bentley guy and I would kind of like to have a contemporary Bentley convertible. And when I say contemporary, I mean, you know, yeah, 2010 up, you know, 2010, I can't afford a sure. newer one. Um, but the, yeah, I'd go with the super sports, uh, <laughs> or the, uh, yeah, the Bentley sport model. Um, they have great horsepower. They're fun to drive. And, uh, um, I would buy the owner instead of the car. I mean, I, I want to have one that was serviced yes. by yes. somebody I know and, you know, they didn't cut corners and they didn't do the YouTube certified uh, technician work on it. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of my short list right there. I probably won't get it because I do have other things that I can drive and I'm not driving my classic cars enough. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in kind of a hold pattern right now. I am going to sell one of my cars, uh, coming up because I I basically need more room in the garage for over winter. But, um, um, you know, it's, it's again, you know, I'm a flipper. I bought this one in 99. So I've only had it, uh, you know, 20, <laughs> 21 years. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I just, I just got to churn and burn all the time with these cars. But, Dave, that's a flawed business plan. <laughs> oh, there's no business plan about it. I mean, the, the good news is, is it's worth five times more than I paid for it, but then don't ask me how much I've spent on it. So, uh, Seven. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Greg? What Pontiac are you going to chase? <laughs> oh, yeah. You you actually uh, you, you got me there. Um, yeah, my type of cars that, that I go after, I, I have kind of an irrational, like uh, kind of an irrational look at it. But, you know, kind of uh, one that's really got me perked up that's like, man, I'd really like to have one of these, uh, the Chevy SS sedan. That's yes. my yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, get you get that, I'll get, a, I'll get a Mercury Marauder and we'll drag race. How's that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, got to, it's got the LS3 in it. It, it. You can get it with magnetic suspension. You can get it uh, with a six-speed. You know, for somebody who's millennial age that uh, still needs to consider, you know, it's a sedan. You know, what, uh, what, more, uh, what more could you want? You know, so sure plus horsepower sedan, but, uh, I mean, it's, uh, look at that, what you, what you get for more money is, uh, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, like a five or, you know, Mercedes. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the group that they're trying to play with. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's comparable, but, uh, it's, you know, it's what they were shooting for when, when they came out. With that car. But, um, 
Yeah, well, we'll have to see. I don't see them getting any cheaper, so which uh, makes it so oh, no. attractive for me to buy it because I'm cheap. Um, but that, that's a car that I really, really, really want to have one day. And everybody I've talked to that's experienced one says that it's it's a great car. And I love the I love the uh, the Holden connection, and uh, you know, kind of that. Very, very, very loose connection to Pontiac there with uh, you know, <laughs> holding Pontiacs. But uh, hey, yeah. hey, hey! Don't pick on my GTO like that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I love, I love some of those uh, Australian GM cars, and uh, I, I would love to have one of those. And I've got my eye on those. Uh, we've got a, a forty-four thousand mile red over red uh, 06 GTO Ooh. or 05 GTO. And uh, God, that car's a whole lot more fun than it should be, especially yeah. for the money. Uh, that thing's been a blast. All right, guys, when are you going to recognize the wonder and the glory of the Harley Davidson edition Ford F 150s? They made a Harley Davidson edition, really? I had no idea. <laughs> well, yeah, once once the check clears, we can, uh, you know, <laughs> look. Check. Greg, I need to talk to you. It's cash, green money. Venmo, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here, but uh, that will appear probably pretty soon uh, in the yep. in the, the truck side of the price guide. I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't. Um, and uh, you know, it's getting to the age where uh, you know we're you know we're putting uh, we're putting more contemporary stuff in all the time and you know it's a specialist uh, a specialist truck so uh, why not um, i was really surprised to find out that on the o3s they only made 10,000 of them yeah really? yeah, yeah. 10,047 is my understanding i'm surprised they're that rare uh but the other part of that is my family snagged two of them <laughs> so uh, you know, we find what we like and we buy a lot. That's a, a, a truly American way to look at things to, you know, um, get a six pack when, uh, when you can afford it. Right. So yep. Right. Yep. Uh, we've been speaking with Dave Kenny and Greg Ingold of Haggerty about the newest Haggerty price guide, which will be in your mailboxes as we speak. Uh, you can find all the social media links for Haggerty, Dave and Greg on readthedriven.com. Guys, thanks so much for being back with us. And, uh, Really want to have you back when the next guide comes out. So if not before, we'll talk to you in a few months down the road. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You guys are always a home run. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough. And uh, thank you, Greg. Thank you. We haven't had a chance to, to hang out and you know have me harass you, Dave. <laughs> yes. Holy shit, brother. Yeah. You look fantastic. Hell, you even your I can really see it in your face a lot in your neck. You look great. So you. whatever you're doing, keep doing it and uh get the hell out of here. Go get some Taco Bell. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. I love having those guys on. Uh they are so knowledgeable and if you just listen, you can learn so much yes. from them. So always a treat to have both Dave and Greg on the show. Hey, thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and find us everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I 
am Brett Hatfield for the absent Corey Pratt, who will be back next week, and the present Catfish Groves. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.